You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome to everybody on this glorious Sunday morning or maybe Sunday afternoon, wherever you may be sitting or driving right as we speak. Uh, welcome to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio's only live call-in radio show. Call in the key words here. We want to hear from you. Very easy to do. Just anything, anything you want to talk about pets. Uh, it could be a subject matter. We've been talking about respiratory conditions, but it could be anything. And very easy to get a hold of me. I'll give you a number of ways. So there's no excuse. No excuse whatsoever. 877-385-8882. That's live call-in. You can also join in on the conversation. If you're sitting at your computer, just go on to Pet Life Radio, click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, and it'll bring you to our show. And on that box, you'll see, you can scroll down, and there's a big box that says, join the conversation. All you have to do is start typing away. That easy. And lastly, you can just send me an email live as we speak to Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff, at PetLifeRadio.com, and it will be forwarded to me again real time. So that's great. Makes it very, very easy for you to get a hold of me, and we do want to hear from you. So what I like to do is sort of educate you about your pets, specifically dogs and cats. But if something comes in that's not dog and cat, just ask away. If I don't have an answer, I have a slew of experts in respective fields to help me, and I will get you an answer and it will be, I'm hoping, <laughs> if I trust my experts, the right answer. But I want to take a little bit of a departure this week. We'll get to some respiratory stuff a little later on. But I had a, a phenomenal, I've been very fortunate to have been asked to speak at some international conferences. Um, back in October last year, 2013 actually, so a year and, and a half ago, I was lucky enough to be in London speaking at the London Vet Forum. And then in Barcelona at the Southern European Veterinary Conference and just had an amazing time. And uh, just got back from Peru, Lima, Peru, speaking at the LAVC, that's the Latin American Veterinary Conference, and it was just an amazing experience. And what made it even more fun for me, and actually pretty educational for me as well, is that I had the opportunity to speak at two of the something like, believe it or not, 11 veterinary colleges in Lima. I mean, that's insane. I mean, California is much bigger, and we only have two. Most states only have one. There are states that have none. And here, just the city of Lima itself, having about 10 or 11 veterinary schools. And I learned a lot about the programming. First of all, the education there is a lot different in that here in America, in the States, and in the same thing in Canada, we go through our high school. And then from high school, we go to university or college. And four years, getting a degree, most of the often. Now, sometimes if you're lucky enough or really a brain, which I was not, then you can possibly get into veterinary school after just three years of undergrad. You're looking someone who's really smart, straight A's, you know, the whole thing. And then after your second year of veterinary school, you'll be awarded what's called a BVSE, a Bachelor's of Science in Veterinary Medicine or Bachelor's of Veterinary Science. Then after your fourth year, then you get your DVM or if you go to University of Pennsylvania, it'll be your VMD. But most of us, most schools in the country give a DVM. Well, there it's different. There you go to high school, you graduate 17, 18, just like we do, and then you go straight to a roughly six-year veterinary program. 
The first two years, obviously, being the required science core that we would take as part of our bachelor's degree, our undergraduate degree, and then straight into four years of veterinary school. And I kind of have my doubts about the smarts, the effectiveness of that type of education, because I'm not so sure that that people at 17 or 18, now I, now I knew what I wanted to do, but I also had the work experience to back it up. They don't have the same opportunities to do work experience. And therefore, do you really know at that age? And are you ready for that professional school curriculum? I've met many that have been. Apparently, there is a fairly substantial dropout rate. So I had a chance to uh, discuss on Monday, I had the opportunity to speak at what they call San Marcos University. San Marcos is not only the oldest veterinary school in South America, it is part of one of the oldest university in the Americas. That includes North America, founded in mid-1500s. And it is started out as you know, more of a religious college and then over the years is now has a medical school, a dental school, a veterinary college, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is, oh, by the way, it's the most difficult of all the schools to get into. Why? Not because it is so well equipped because I found out it isn't. It's because it's free. And so to get into San Marcos, they take the cream of the crop and very expensive. People don't earn the livings that we do here. And therefore, to get into a free university is a major plus. The problem, because it's free and because the government, the state schools do not have the ability to really equip these schools well, to stay uh, with all the newest and latest equipment, diagnostics, etc., it is severely lacking. So here I am walking through the teaching hospital of the finest, the most difficult school in Lima, and their x-ray machine is 40 years old. They have one ultrasound machine. They have no laser. I was helping them put a catheter into a little puppy and we needed to get what's called a jugular catheter. I needed something that was a little bit longer than the small catheters that they had. And they look at me and go, this is all we have. And you walk through this teaching facility, this teaching hospital, and it is dark. It is gloomy. I have to tell you, it was so depressing. And yet this is number one. Then the next day, I had an opportunity to work with one of the private universities. Now, when they say the private schools, obviously, it takes money, not horrendous amounts of money compared to our standards, but it takes money, and therefore, anybody can get in. They don't look at necessarily the grades. The, the exam that you have to take to get in is nothing like that of San Marcos, but I uh, was fortunate enough to join them on a surgery clinic, and they have a program the school is called Ricardo Palma University, and I have met a few graduates actually from Palma, and two of them actually came to visit me here in California and spent some time with me at my hospital, and they, totally different experience. First of all, what they're doing this program, there is an area just outside of Lima. It's in the outskirts. Remember, Lima is sort of situated right smack in a valley between the Andes Mountains and the coast. So driving in the outskirts, the areas become extremely poor. Literally, people living in shacks, no plumbing, no electricity. They're claiming ground and building their little shacks up on the mountainside. And we went to an area called Manchai, very, very, very poor area. And the place is like my experience in Iquitos several years before in the Amazon in Peru. Dogs all over the place. They are just running wild and they are breeding. And we're seeing more and more dogs and it's gotten out of control. And it's been getting dangerous as the dog bite to person ratio is astronomical. One dog bite to an adult for every four adults. 
That means 25% of adults living in Manchai have been or will be bitten by a dog. And some of the dog's bites are serious. And the hospital facilities are not much better than the veterinary hospital facilities. So it is a real problem. And one of the major issues is these dogs are living in fear. They're running the streets. And they're intact. Another problem is there are a lot of ticks in that area. And there are a lot of tick-borne diseases. And often the diagnostics to diagnose the tick diseases are somewhat of a challenge and, again, somewhat expensive. So the university... Ricardo Palma is, is sort of doing a double study. Number one, capturing these dogs, they're advertising a clinic. I think it's once a week or once every other week where people are bringing dogs in that they can find, often have to be muzzled or harnessed. They're somewhat aggressive. And the students are doing the spays and neuters. Right now, they're doing neuters on these male dogs. The thought being twofold. Number one, let's reduce the population. And number two, what effect is neutering going to have, as we suspect it does, on the aggressive behavior of these dogs. And lastly, as they're doing their testing, and it's very fascinating, I'm going to get to it in a minute, Uh, but as they're doing their pre-anesthetic testing, they're looking for other parameters that might help them determine whether or not these dogs have tick-borne diseases other than just plain anemia. What other statistical analyses can they do on the blood so they won't necessarily need the fancier, more expensive tick titer testing? where they might be able to do it just based on some of the parameters that they notice in a basic blood test. So very interesting. And uh, I have to tell you, it was a great experience working with them. And yes, though these students supposedly are not the cream of the crop, I found them to be so hungry, so professional, and it was really just a joy to see. As a matter of fact, going to be uh, seeing what I can do to San Marcos, you know, contacting some of the vendors that I work with. I remember when I went to Peru, to Iquitos, to the Amazon, I contacted some of these bigger companies and had them donate. I know there are equipment companies out there that people upgrade, upgrade equipment all the time. And there may be some x-ray machines out there. Some of these companies have that are five, seven, 10 years old. No one's going to want to buy them anymore. And uh, I'm going to try to put a little pressure on them to donate them possibly to San Marcos. Again, it was an interesting experience. So, so what happened, uh, so I'm waiting and I'm hearing I got picked up in the morning by the dean. Now that interestingly, the dean at the Ricardo Palma University was also a former student at San Marcos, used to teach at San Marcos, and when after retiring, quote unquote, from San Marcos, he accepted a position uh, as the dean of this one of the uh, private schools in Lima and got picked up. And we drove you know, through the city of Lima itself into Manchai, where you see uh, the poverty is so frightening to see. It's so sad. And they, as we're going up this dirt road into what they call the town center, and I've noticed a lot of these communities, as poor as they are, actually have a town center. It's for functions, it's for town meetings, and they actually use it. And this was a fairly newly built town center, and there was an outdoor area where they set up tables for the pre-examinations. And then inside, they set up their surgery facility. Now, I have to tell you, the surgery facility was on par with what I would expect to see here in the U.S. I mean, it was amazing. Stainless steel tables that they assembled because they come, they weren't on the hydraulic, but they were beautifully stainless steel tables with hooks and poles for the IV fluids. They had pulse oximetry to monitor oxygen and CO2, electrocautery. I mean, these were very, very well equipped. They had tied down the surgeons, including myself, wearing cap gown masks, sterile gloves. I mean, the difference between the supposedly the best veterinary college in the country and just one of the many of the private veterinary colleges, veterinary schools in Lima was night and day. 
And it was amazing to see. And the energy of these students was just infectious. It was great. Anyway, time for a quick break. I want to hear from you. I want to hear if any of you have traveled any parts of the world. I hear India is terrible. There are places where dogs are literally all over the place. And it's so frightening. They're not getting care. And I'm just curious to know from other people's experience what they've seen if they've gone to other parts of the world. And once again, as I I can't forget, I want to thank our sponsors for having me here today for you. And that is Kong Veterinary Products, Great Kong Toys, and ProSense Pet Products as well. And uh, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, give me a call, 877-385-8882. I want to hear from you. I want to hear of any experiences if you had the good fortune to travel to different parts of the world and see what I saw in Peru. We'll be right back. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food, and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots, and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Tired of wasting money on giant boxes of litter that don't work and don't last? Switch to World's Best Cat Litter, the only litter with concentrated power. So even a small bag lasts one cat 30 days. Outstanding odor control, quick lumping, lightweight. It's even flushable. World's Best Cat Litter. Everything else is just litter. Find it near you at www.itsnotjustlitter.com. That's www.itsnotjustlitter.com. Hi, Jill. I see you and Bella are enjoying this lovely day as well. It's a perfect day for a walk. Isn't that right, Bella? And what a colorful ID tag you have, Bella. It certainly puts my Rusty's boring engraved tag to shame. Isn't it great? It's a dog tag art tag. Dog tag art? Yeah. Dog tag art makes the world's coolest pet ID tags. Pick from hundreds of cute designs or upload your photos or artwork to create a unique tag of your own. They even give you four lines of text on the back of the tag for important contact information. I love it! But do they hold up? We have to replace Rusty's metal tags so often because the information wears away. Dog tag art tags are some of the highest quality pet tags out there. They're made with super durable stainless steel. Your information is always legible and the tags are guaranteed for life. Well, I'm sold. Where can I get my dog tag art tag for Rusty? Dogtagart.com Sounds great! We can't wait to get online and get a tag of our own. Dogtagart.com We keep best friends together. Use the coupon code RADIO for a 25% discount off any tag. Active for Pets is a new wellness platform and app that helps pet parents save time and money on their vet bills. Stop paying for unnecessary vet treatments. Consult with the vet online. Get unlimited access to your pet's entire health history from any computer or smartphone with the Active for Pets app. Vaccinations, medications, test results, and more. Active 4 Pets gives you access to a team of expert vets for non-emergency care. Make an appointment before, during, or after office hours. Skip the waiting room and get a secure online vet consult on your schedule. Taking care of your pets is as easy as it gets with Active 4 Pets. 
Ready to try Active 4 Pets? Listeners get 40% off a one-year membership. To get this great offer, use promo code PETLIFE on the sign-up page of Active4Pets.com. That's A-C-T-I-V, the number 4, P-E-T-S dot com. Or call 888-512-2848. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for now the next Oh, 15 or 14 so minutes here at Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Before the break, uh, we were talking about my recent trip speaking at the Latin American Veterinary Conference. And before the actual conference, the opportunity I had to visit um, and work with two of the 11 or so veterinary schools in Lima itself, which blows my mind. And the clinic, the neuter clinic that we did with one of the private veterinary schools, which was, I, you know, I found fascinating, was so uplifting for me to see the eagerness of these students and the professionalism. And from the, a medical standpoint, just the, the high quality of practice was just unreal. So I worked with fifth and, and sixth year students, which are towards the end. The fifth year students were on anesthesia tract. So these students are picking the dogs up. They are examining them, listening to their chest, taking blood tests on every single animal, anest- doing the anesthesia just starting hooking up to the monitoring equipment. I mean, it was just as we would do here, really. And then carry the dogs into the quote-unquote surgical facility. We had three tables set up, all stainless steel, all with IV fluids, electrocautery. I mean, it had everything that we needed. And the students were assisting us do the neuters. And I was teaching them some of the tricks that I've learned over the years. Uh, as I said, very, very receptive, uh, sterile surgery packs for each animal. It was really amazing. I don't, I don't think they were doing it just for me. I, I really think that they were, this is how they're learning. And first of all, I learned a lot of things about the profession there. A lot of people want to be veterinarians, obviously. And because they have so many schools, it's very easily doable. The problem is, A, there are not enough jobs. There are so many veterinarians out there without work. And B, even if they get jobs, the pay is really, I mean, it's so substandard compared to what we are used to here in America. And the fees accordingly are also very, very low. It made me more impressed when I got a chance to visit two private veterinary hospitals, how well they were equipped and how well they were doing, considering uh, it's very tough. One of the uh, doctors that I worked with, he works with his father. Father is a semi-retired veterinarian. Mother sort of runs the show as, as far as the business side. His sister works with them as well, a veterinarian. So it's crazy. And I wonder how, with all these schools and all these graduates, and already there's not enough work, it baffles me as to you know what the point is. And I think the private schools are opening because they know students want to do it and they're getting the money. The good news is they are really pouring some of that money back into the educational program, back into equipment. So I found these schools, the private school, at least the one I worked with, and I hear it is similar for most of the others that are equally as equipped. But I found there was just a difference in the students. Maybe, I don't know, maybe fear that they can easily you know, lose their spot if they don't perform. But they were so upbeat. And I think that working in a, a happy, well-equipped, clean environment also makes you feel better. And I just not get the same vibe 
from the much older, uh, you know, obviously, as I mentioned, the oldest school in the Americas, the oldest university in the Americas. And it just didn't seem that they had that same energy, if you will. And walking and driving around Peru, there are so many quote-unquote, private universities. And they pop up all over. And some have like, you know, I say, no, is that general? Do they have a better school? No, they don't have a better school. They're more for economics or they're more for, for business or finance. And so they all have their themes, if you will, not just a major within a university, but it's the university itself. So if you are thinking about going into finance, you would apply only to the schools like that one. So it is, it's, it's almost like veterinary school in the sense that when you apply out of high school, you're already expected to choose a major. And that major is going to be veterinary medicine. So you go to a school that basically specializes in veterinary medicine or has a veterinary medical college there. Well, it's the same thing for some of these other universities. As you're applying to universities, it's not a major within a four-year college. It is the college itself and what it's best known for. So um, I just found it very fascinating. As far as the conference, it was terrific. So much energy, a lot of young veterinarians, which was great, and very eager. Now, I'm Unfortunately, I, I don't speak Spanish. I understand a little bit. I don't speak Spanish well enough, certainly, to uh, lecture in Spanish. So we had an interpreter who apparently was pretty good. But, you know, it's, it's hard for, It's hard to – when you're – I don't know if anyone has ever done this. If you're listening, had to speak in another language and, and waiting for the interpreter. Because, first of all, there's always the delay. So, you know, with me – and I try to be upbeat and actually a little funny sometimes. And I'll say something that I thought was very humorous. And there's deadpan. No response. And all of a sudden, like five – seconds later, they start laughing. So at least the interpreter was able to, uh, I guess, bring out the humor in what I was saying. Oftentimes, when you work with an interpreter, they are just speaking like monotone. So if part of what you say is a delivery, then they don't get it. It's kind of awkward. But overall, I would tell you, it was really, really a good experience. And I'm amazed at how many uh, questions people coming up. And I lecture here in the U.S. all the time. And yeah, a couple of people come up. And, but the other thing which I found was so funny is to have an American veterinarian and one with, I guess, some visibility, I guess, because the TV stuff that I do and, you know, having worked, you know, being Bill Lassie and Dr. Oz and, and all the news things that I have done in my own TV show on Animal Planet. It's almost like that, that celebrity aspect. All these vets want to come up and take pictures. There must be 70 pictures, 80, 100 pictures out there. Um, I have no idea where they're putting him, but everybody wanted to get a picture which I thought was kind of fun too. But it was a overall a great experience. And then I, of course, if uh, we're in Peru, uh, we're not going to stop just in Lima. So we had an opportunity. My wife and I, we went up to, we went to Cusco, uh, which is one of the highest cities in the Americas. It's 11,000 feet. Now just think, they call Denver the mile high city. It's 5,000 plus feet above sea level. This is over 11,000 feet. It's twice. It's the two mile high city. It's just amazing. So, so much so that there's always a big problem with what they call altitude sickness. And people get lightheaded, they get headaches, they get nausea. Fortunately, it didn't happen to us. There is a medication that is often recommended. It's called acetazolamide, which we did take for a few days before. But we felt actually nothing. It was actually pretty cool. And then we went to Machu Picchu. And when I was, we were in Peru about five years earlier in, in the Amazon, we did not have an opportunity to go to Cusco or Machu Picchu. So it was really great to be able to go there. And uh, it's an ancient city that was discovered by a Yale professor and Hiram Bingham. And what's amazing is how technically built from a drainage aqueduct perspective, from a quake perspective, because it's right on a fault, and how much they knew. And to this day, the city stands. It's unreal. Unfortunately, it's, it's in a sense, it's a lost city because when the Spaniards came in, everybody fled. And there are very few records 
of anything about the culture other than what can be learned from the structures, the location of the structures, the aqueduct system, how this city has withstood the uh, test of time for so many years. Again, it wasn't discovered till this Yale professor, I think it was the early 1900s, it might be 1911, something like that. Very fascinating. And um, it was just great. It was beautiful. And uh, we got a lot of pictures. It was a terrific place. It was so much fun to visit. So um, anyway, it was a great experience. I am here with you next week as well. And then I'm off to Bangkok, Thailand to speak the World Small Animal Veterinary Association meeting. We'll have a lot to report. I've never been to that part of the world. It should be pretty cool. I'm also most likely next year, it looks like I may be speaking at one of the big conferences in Mexico. The one beautiful thing about speaking at some of these foreign uh, international conferences is that typically there is going to be someone there who is actively involved in one of the other world conferences. And if they hear you speak and they like what they see, they like what they hear, they like the energy, they will ask you if you wouldn't mind speaking at their conference. And it's so far, it's been a snowball effect for me and it's been great because I'm having the opportunity to go to places I probably otherwise wouldn't go. And um, you just learn about so many cultures and I, of course, just love to see just veterinary medicine in general, how it is so unique in different places and, and how it is similar versus and how different it is from our own, not only practice, but from an education standpoint as well. And uh, it was just a great experience. So if next week, if you wanted to send me an email and share any information, we'll read things online. Free ProSense product goes out to you. Free Kong product will go out to you as well. Give us some time because we have to get them from the manufacturer. And other than that, um, I just want to thank you all for, for joining me. Uh, we were still in the middle of our talk on the respiratory complexes and conditions, which we will probably go back to next week. I'm trying to get us a guest from one of our, the other hosts here at Pet Life Radio and do some fun stuff. Uh, if that happens, we'll, we'll delay the medical stuff. And, and uh, depending on who, get, who I get as a guest, we'll talk about something very appropriate for your pets. Once again, thanks for joining me here. You're listening to Dr. Jeff Werber, host of Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for listening, and we'll be here next week. Have a great week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.